That's right, everybody. Your favorite or least favorite podcast boy is back, and he's here to talk about the Ohio State Buckeyes. That's right. Scarlet and Gray Stripes is back for another season. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host, and I'm coming to you uh, from the middle of my living room as I've got the two TVs up watching Iowa State, Iowa, and Texas A&M, Miami. So, uh, my apologies if this one sounds a little airy. I can already hear it in my ears how uh, how weird it sounds. I'm going to turn up the volume on myself here, and maybe that sounds better or worse. I don't know. But apologies in advance for how today's podcast uh, sounds. I'm just getting this out as quickly as possible because in a couple hours I'm driving down to Berkeley, or up to Berkeley, I guess, for the Auburn Cal game. But what we're really here for today, other than listening to the sounds my stomach makes, is to talk about Ohio State's 35-7 to win over Youngstown State. We'll break down all that. Well, not really break down. There's really, really not anything to break down about this game, but I'm really just going to freestyle today's episode, and we'll, we'll talk about the game and some big-picture thoughts that I have about Ohio State right now. But before I do that, I want to make sure to uh, get you to subscribe to the show. So just search the Two Stripes Podcast. All the Scarlet and Gray Stripes are under the Two Stripes Podcast banner. You can listen to Scarlet and Gray Stripes as well as the regular Two Stripes Podcast. And more importantly, I'm going to need you to subscribe to twostripescpd.com. Some of you already are. That's my website where I've got all my college football writing. I put all the highlight videos up there. Uh, is basically a place to support all of my work. $7 a month, $50 a year. You're going to get a bunch of original content Monday through Friday during the season and the off season as well, whether that's written articles, highlights, whatever it may be. If you want to support my work, twostripescpd.com. Subscribe over there. And of course, go to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Colton Denning. All right, with that out of the way, let's talk about this game. Uh, Ohio State, coming off of last week, and I didn't do an episode last week uh, after the Indiana win because things were a little crazy during week one. Um, but coming off of last week, uh, I think the, the main thing was how Ohio State's offense would play in this game. And, you know, I don't think any of us expected any sort of resistance from Youngstown State or for this to ever be a close game. But I think we all wanted to see how the offense would do and what the quarterback situation looked like and what that rotation would look like. And um, like I said, uh, today's show, like, I don't really think we need to go blow for blow on this game. Ohio State won by four touchdowns. Marvin Harrison Jr. had seven catches for 160 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, They probably could have scored 35 points just throwing the ball up to Marvin Harrison Jr. Every play, like, I'm confident you could achieve 35 points that way uh playing Youngstown State just there's no way any of the their guys could could guard him as we saw in that first play where he had the 71 yard touchdown so we don't need to get into the minutiae of this game like I'm not going to talk about some of the young guys who played on defense or um just just the blow for blow because we we know what this game and what these types of games are supposed to be I'm really at this point and and this is kind of where I wanted to kick it off I'm saving everything and all of uh, my thoughts, positive and negative, about this team for after the Notre Dame game, because that's when we'll really see what this team is. I think for the first two games of the season, we don't really know anything about them, and that doesn't have to be a negative thing. That's perfectly fine when you play Indiana, 
who, I mean, they ran it up on Indiana State last night, but they looked like they had no interest in playing Ohio State offensively last week. Uh, and then week two, you play an FCS team in Youngstown State. So we don't have to know everything about this team right now. And, and I think that that's fine. So uh, frankly, like outside of um, one thing, I don't really have actual on-field, you know, player takeaways. And that that one thing is, is I think that um, it's that the quarterback play is a clear downgrade, which is to be expected. But Kyle McCord is the guy. Like, or at least he needs to be the guy going forward. And we'll see how that shakes out especially in that Notre Dame game. Um, I, I think that's what we learned today. That was the biggest thing. And not that he uh, like lit it up, but he wasn't terrible by, by any means. I think he played better than the Indiana game, numbers-wise, 14-20, 258 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. There wasn't anything particularly egregious, and there wasn't anything I thought was terrible, but I also think that Whichever way you want to measure the offense, he is just a better fit than Devin Brown. It's clear to see why they picked Kyle McCord in the first place. And Brown is much more, I don't even know if athletic is the word, because Brown really, like, in the sense of what we know from athletic quarterbacks in today's age of football and stuff guys can do, maybe it's just the number and wearing 33 makes Brown look weird, but like he doesn't look that fast. He doesn't look like he can put the moves on guys. Like I think he just likes to do that stuff more than Kyle McCord does uh, as much as it is. He can do those things more than Kyle McCord does. But ultimately I, I think that McCord right now is, is a better fit and um, probably less mistake prone. And there was a couple times where Brown just completely airmailed balls uh, his stat line was 7-13, 101 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, and he had, what, here, six carries for nine yards. I really don't think he's giving you enough from, you know, a playmaker standpoint, a threat, whatever you want to call it at this point, to even put him in games where, like, next week if Ohio State's up, 40 to 10. Yeah, you you put him in with the second team and you let him get reps, but we're we're done throwing him in with the first team. I I think that that should end. And after the game Ryan Day, you know, I I hesitate to to kill Day for this and we'll talk about him more in a second. Um but I think his posturing, I guess is the best word to put it, uh with the quarterbacks after this game where he was like we haven't made a decision yet. I think that's more just saying that to the media. I, or at least I hope, because I, I think at this point it's done. That decision should be made that Kyle McCord needs to play uh, with the first string. There's just there's no reason like for today. Uh, it's the fourth quarter. There's eight minutes left, and uh, you have the starters in only because Devin Brown's in, and you need to get him reps. Like that just does not make any sense at all. It doesn't make sense that Marvin Harrison and Emeka Ibuka and the starting offensive line are all in the game with eight minutes to go against Youngstown State. That's a problem for multiple reasons, but just doing that because you want to see if you have to do that against Youngstown State uh, to see if your quarterback is the starter, I think you have the answer to your question. Maybe that was a long way to put it, but that's kind of where I think we're at. And that's that's my big takeaway from this game is Kyle McCord. uh, There's warts there. I'm certainly not like 
over the moon, super comfortable that he's Ohio State starter and how that's going to shake out against a very good team in a couple weeks in Notre Dame. But uh, it's time to roll with him and to see how it goes. And like I said, we'll find out against Notre Dame truly uh, what this team is. And, you know, defensively, there's nothing I can take away from this game. Uh, at least in terms of like they did certain things. Youngstown State showed them certain things. They had the one touchdown drive. Um, and there's, you know, there's pod, it was fun watching Sonny Styles fly around and make plays. Uh, Tommy Eichenberg just continues to be a joy to watch when, you know, he's, he's probably faster than he gets credit for. Um, and he just shows up wherever a play is going at full speed and just lights it up. And you can say the same thing about Steel Chambers, too. It's, it's fun watching competent linebacker play, right? Like, it is, it is very fun. And the same can be said for, uh, for the secondary. Again, I, I don't know if we could say, like, excuse me, hey, this is an awesome secondary yet, but um, I think at the very least it's the most sound it's been. Um, Denzel Burke with that interception in the end zone, those are the type of plays that even though it's Youngstown State, those type of plays translate. He made a one-on-one play down the field, and it wasn't like it was a horrible throw by the Youngstown State quarterback. It wasn't a great throw, but like he had to go up there and fight for the ball, and he made a play, and you know, after what we saw from him last season where it just looked like he had no confidence, it was great to watch him make a play like that. So I'm I'm cautiously optimistic and probably a little bit more about the secondary. And by a little bit more, I mean more positive about the secondary. I feel good about that uh, and the linebackers as well. Defensive line, it can t- the strength of the team on the defensive line continues to be the interior, interior, excuse me, uh, Tyleek Williams, Mike Hall Jr., guys just make plays on the interior, whether it's against the pass or against the run. Those guys make plays, and as for the edge rushers go, I think, we, I think we've seen enough to know what, um, what those guys are. I think that uh, JT Tua is a perfectly adequate to good to very good defensive end who can make a couple splash plays when you need him to and is good against the run. He, I think he's kind of an upgraded version of, of Zach Harrison. And, you know, I'm not saying that they did exactly the same things, but just in terms of playmaking ability, we've seen JTT or JT to him uh, make, make those kind of plans where plays where Harrison Really didn't make many splash plays. Uh, but on the other side, man, I don't want to dump on the guy, but uh, Jack Sawyer simply like isn't a starting st- starting quality defensive end at Ohio State. To if they're gonna if they're gonna do anything this season uh, at a high level, you know, make the playoffs, win the conference, beat Michigan, beat Penn State, um, have any chance at being in the national championship race, I don't think that. Jack Sawyer can be your your starting defensive end on that side. Um, you know, I I wanted to put it in bullet points, which you can also check out on the website. I forgot to mention that at the start, um, where you can as after this is posted tomorrow, I'll have up a long column of just kind of all my thoughts about this game in writing form. And I didn't want to say it last week, where I was like, name your favorite Jack Sawyer play. And I was like, I'll hold off. It was one game against Indiana, but I feel the same way. Like, name your favorite Jack Sawyer play from today. 
Name your favorite Jack Sawyer play from last week. Name your favorite Jack Sawyer play from uh, last year. Name your favorite Jack Sawyer play from 2021. That's one I can name. It's the ass sack against Nebraska in 2021 on the road. But outside of that, man, you're just not getting anything. And um, you can't lean on the, hey, this guy was a five-star anymore. He's in his third year. That shit doesn't matter anymore. Um, He's a former blue-chip guy, but basing your like, oh, he still has potential. He's a blue-chip guy. That's over. We've we've seen enough of that. and I don't know what they do. They they got a bunch of other guys there. They're they're all very young. Um, put them in the game, but I don't think that that's what they're going to do. Larry Johnson has showed that he's uh, committed to just sticking with whatever he wants to do, whether it's uh, in terms of those guys, rotation stuff, um, and maybe that's a separate conversation. Conversation and another thing that's kind of my takeaway, but. I felt this way in 2021 at the end of that season. Larry Johnson's done. He's cooked. Um, He's one of the best defensive line coaches of all time, maybe the best in college football history. If not, he's one of the best. But this line, and especially the edge guys, they simply don't make plays. Like, not even they don't make enough plays, they don't make plays. They don't get after the quarterback. They don't pressure anybody. Um, Maybe it's a scheme theme thing. Maybe it's just putting too much on the players to say it's them or too much on Johnson to say it's him and everybody shares the blame. But whatever it is, it's not good enough. And when they play a team of equal or better talent, um, it's it's going to show more than it already does. So uh, I, I, I don't have any faith that there's going to be changes there, but that kind of is what it is. Uh, went, on a, went on a tangent there. Um because I, I just have everything written down in bullet points here, so please excuse me. And I haven't I haven't podcasted in a while, so I'm sorry if this sounds really bad, but I'm just kind of getting, I'm freestyling this episode. So, I mean, Ohio State freestyled the first two weeks, so you can't blame me if I want to freestyle as well. I'm just, I'm doing what Ryan Day's doing right now, so please bear with me. Um, the only other thing I'll really say that uh, bothered me uh, is the stuff post-game. Um, and I assume if you listen to this podcast, you're you're a hardcore college football fan, and you're you're a hardcore Ohio State fan, so you know what I'm talking about with uh, Ryan Day talking about uh, the clock and how he was surprised that um, he was surprised that Youngstown State milked it as much as they did. He um, he felt like uh, he knew they were going to slow down the clock, but he didn't realize that they were going to huddle as much as they did. Uh, which, you know, whatever. I, <laughs> Ohio State had nine possessions. They scored on five of them. That's that's fine. Uh, this isn't 2009, though. You shouldn't you shouldn't be putting up 35 points against Youngstown State. I don't care if you only have three possessions in the second half. Uh, if this guy's whole thing is that he's an offensive guy uh, and they've scored 23 and 35 points against Indiana and Youngstown State. That's just not good enough. I don't care what the possessions look like. You have other teams like uh, Oregon and OU and some of these other teams around the country. Penn State scored 65 today on Delaware State. Um, It's a thing. It's obviously a thing, and it's going to become more of a thing when you play better teams. But when you're complaining about the clock rules against Youngstown State, um, That kind of tells me all I need to know, and I'm sorry if you hear the clicking in the background. I'm changing the channel here. 
on YouTube TV. But uh, it's just simply not what I want to hear. And there's, you know, if you've if you've listened to the podcast and you listened last year, I think it might have been uh, the last episode I did or the one before where I spent so much of that Georgia game before and after talking about excuses and how there's always seems to be an excuse with the program uh, right now and specifically from day. And this appears to be, at least in the early part of the season, this is this year's excuse, is that, well, the clock rules. You know, everybody's dealing with the clock rules. And if you're an offensive guru, if that's supposed to be your thing, that really shouldn't matter, especially when you're playing a team uh, from the FCS. So I really don't care to hear about any of that stuff. Um, let's see here. I'm scrolling to to check if there's... Any more, any more day quotes. Uh, I talked about the quarterback stuff. Here's a tweet from Marcus Hartman uh, who says, Ohio State ha- has 266 rushing yards, fewest combined in first two games since 2009 when they had 241 combined against Navy and USC. Uh-oh. Is that good? I don't know. The, the per attempt numbers are probably better, but... Um, yeah, something something to worry about there. Uh, there was a couple of short yardage issues early in the game where I think it was, what was it, the second drive where they tried to run a, a toss sweep again to the short side of the field that got uh, stuffed. I will say the fourth and one touchdown call to Emeka Ibuka, that was pretty dope. I like that. You get the ball in your playmaker's hands. It seems simple to me when you have a fourth and short or a third and short uh, you got Marvin Harrison Jr., you got Emeka Ibuka. Find a way to get them the ball in space and let them make plays. They're two of the best players uh, in the country. So, you know, again, it's stuff that we're seeing in these games that I'm not going to necessarily lose my mind or go crazy positively over. But if it's if we're talking about it here, there's a good bet that we're going to be talking about it against Notre Dame or against Penn State or against Michigan, and that can go down to the offensive line too, which frankly, like, through two games, they aren't pushing anybody off the ball. Josh Simmons struggling, taking penalties, much like he did at San Diego State. Um, and it's just it's just sloppy. They don't seem to have any juice offensively. Like, there's no... Uh, and, and that could just be a fan thing. Maybe, maybe there is a lot of juice in that room, and the guys are, you know, fired up, whatever. But it doesn't seem like they have an identity other than like, hey, we know Marvin and Emeka are really good. This offense doesn't have an identity, and I get that there's a new quarterback. But again, that should be at this point, like if for the people that continue to give Ryan Day bail, that should be his one thing that's rock solid. Like if if the defense, you know, crumbles again and people want to blame it on Jim Knowles, uh, you know, because that's what we did last year then, you know, what is what is Ryan Day responsible for? And you can say all you want that, hey, you know, we went from uh, Justin Fields straight to C.J. Stroud. Like, nobody nobody does that. I don't think anybody who's being, you know, even semi-reasonable expects or wants Kyle McCord to immediately be C.J. Stroud. But it has to be better than this, right? Like, it, it can't be at this level where it's like the offense can't score more than 35 points against Youngstown State or can't score more than 23 against Indiana. I don't care if there's a quarterback rotation. They've just looked really clunky. 
It's looked choppy. It's looked sloppy. Um, and there's there's enough returning at the skill positions to where at least like the identity shouldn't be a thing, even when you're breaking in a new quarterback and new offensive lineman, because the problems look similar to the ones that were there when you did have the quarterback there and you did have the returning offensive lineman there. At some point, things start to become a feature more than they become a bug. And there's a lot in Ryan Day's offense uh, that, that looks like a feature when things go wrong. Also, I'd be remiss to not shout out um, the massive block that Julian Fleming made on that fourth and one touchdown to Emeka Ibuka. Nice block by uh, Cade Stover as well. Um, what else here? I talked about Sonny Styles, talked about Denzel Burke, um, quarterback stuff. Uh, the running back rotation, I don't know. That's that's another one of those things where like, we're, and maybe you can say this about any team and, and any head coach, um, we're just not going to find out what, we're not going to find out where Ryan Day really sits with all this stuff until they play Notre Dame, until they play a real team. And maybe we will next week because Western Kentucky, that's going to be a good test with their offense because that is an explosive passing game. And, you know, if they break a couple of big plays and they score 14, 17 points in the first half, it's like, okay, let's let's see, can this offense really keep up with somebody? Are they going to be able to score? Um but it, uh, I just, we're, we're just not going to know until how Ryan Day and how the position coaches feel about some of these rotation rotations with skill guys until it's like, hey, it's a 10-point game in the second half or it's a, it's a tie game in the second half. Um, we're not rotating guys in and out. Like, here, here are the guys that we want to play. That's when we're really going to find out um, where Ryan Day stands with all this. And I said it last week. There's simply, there's no reason to listen to anything Day says in a press conference when it comes to that stuff because he says something and then in the game you see something else. So, and and that's not to say he has to tell us everything. That's just saying it's the reality of it. Like taking whatever he or any head coach says in a, you know, in a presser at uh, just at, at face value is the wrong decision. And especially with this coach, when we see that, you know, once they get on the field, like, oh, that that isn't what you said uh, in front of the media. You start to see how guys and how coaches really feel about certain players. So, you know, again, we're just going to have to wait until we get to uh, Notre Dame for that. And that's really that's really the biggest thing. And that's kind of that's kind of all I got, because, you know, we could spend the next 20 minutes um, talking about Malik Harvard getting the start. Um, let's see, let's, let's roll through the box score here and see just like who, uh, who, which, which of the other young guys were, uh, you know, able to make plays. Um, do, 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 do. this is thrilling podcasting. There really wasn't a ton of stuff. Like I said, Malik Hartford made the start, made one tackle. Um, we saw CJ Hicks later in the game. Um, Sonny Styles, that's really that's really my main takeaway. Like it was fun watching Sonny Styles. But other than that, man, like I think we've I mean, we already knew what Cam Martinez was and we saw it again early uh with him getting burned. Like that that is what it is at this point. Um and there's just there there's no reason to go for a blow five to talk about a blow by blow uh rundown of this game because we can't take away anything from it. Um other than if you just 
feel like, hey, they're holding their cards, which doesn't seem like the thing to do when you got a bunch of young guys who need to get reps. Like, I, I don't know what you're holding your cards for. Like, they they don't need to do a bunch of crazy shit to score points against Youngstown State, as we saw today. You could literally just throw the ball up to Marvin Harrison Jr. You kept him in until the fourth quarter with, you know, halfway through the fourth. So it's like, you know, for the people saying like, oh, well, they're not, they don't want to do anything exotic. You don't really have to, and you shouldn't have to because you're Ohio State playing Youngstown State. Um, so, yeah. Outside of that, Travion Henderson, five carries, 56 yards, two touchdowns, long of 30, um, two catches for 18 yards. We'll see how the rotation looks going forward. They seem committed to him being the guy, and I will say he definitely has similar, if not the same burst that he did in 2021. Like You can see uh, those quick cuts. He's shifting in and out of stuff, which he was not doing basically all of last year, so that is one thing that uh, I think is is very encouraging, that he looks like he is healthy, and, and hopefully it stays that way because he's a super fun player to watch. And uh, for an offense that, I mean, outside of Harrison Jr., like, and if you scheme stuff up for Abuka, they're just, they're dying for big plays. And so they really need to find that out of that running back spot. And, you know, Trip Tra- Chip Tranum only got, he got six carries for 20 yards, um, you know, after looking like the best guy against Indiana. So I just, I don't know what that rotation again is going to look like until we see it in an actual big game. And the coaches have no choice but to show their hand on who they actually trust. So, yeah, I mean, I hate that we can't watch a fourth quarter of Ohio State playing Youngstown State and just see a bunch of freshmen in. Like, it has to be, we're still talking about the quarterback situation. And, you know, I'm not saying you got to ride after this game. I'm certainly not losing my mind after this game, even though I can tell that this has a a negative connotation to the podcast. And I'm not going to make any big-time proclamations on you know, what Ryan Day is or, you know, fire Ryan Day today. I know they're not going to fire him. I know if they lose to Michigan again, they're probably not going to fire him. And that's that's a note to everybody. Like Gene Smith on his way out is not going to fire Ryan Day. So make peace with that right now, that that's not the last thing he's going to do. Um, so we're, we don't need to have a big, long uh, discussion on where Ryan Day stands. But again, if you're the offensive guy, and your thing is the offense, and everybody has been saying, hey, everybody criticizing him, he runs the offense, and the offense has been really good. Well, through the first two games, and I don't care if you tell me they scored on five and nine possessions or you know what the yards per play were, they scored 23 points against Indiana, and they scored 35 points against Youngstown State. And I already read off that stat from Marcus Hartman about the rushing yards. Is it something where I'm like, oh, they're fucked for the rest of the season? I don't know. We have to see it play out, but uh, it's not good. And I don't want to hear talk of like, oh, well, Clemson struggled. They've already lost a game or, you know, Georgia only scored 45 points. I don't want to hear any of that stuff because if, if one thing is certain about Ohio State, and again, Ryan Day is the offensive guy. You have to score points. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. It doesn't matter if the offensive line is new, whatever, especially in the portal era where you can bring guys in and out. Hell, I'm watching Colorado's offense. 
You telling me you can't be explosive at Ohio State with Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka, and you're only scoring 35 points against Youngstown State? They definitely need to figure that out because it's just, it's not bad, but it's not good. It's not good for Ohio State's standards right now. And that's not to say that they can't change it and, you know, go through the rest of the season and be maulers offensively because we've seen them do that ever since Ryan Day has been here. And that's that's the one thing I have given him the benefit of the doubt of is that I'm not going to criticize the quarterback play and, you know, most of the offensive stuff until they really give give you a reason to criticize it and they don't play well enough in one of these big games. Um, they haven't played well enough yet. And they're going to have to play much, much better uh, to just le- beat Notre Dame, let alone any of the other, any of the other stuff that they want to accomplish uh, this season. Uh, I'm looking through here. I'm sorry. This has really been a, a freestyle throwaway um, podcast, but that's that's pretty much it. Um, you don't need to yell about it if you want to. I, I think that's totally fine. Um if you want to be over the moon about this game, do you? But that that silence there, I think, kind of explains where I'm at. The two throwaway games, really. Like, quite honestly. It's been it's been fun watching the defense fly around. Um, and that's basically it. I don't think we've learned anything about the offense other than the fact that the quarterback play is a clear downgrade, which we all we all pretty much knew that if Kyle McCord was uh, and not even just on him, just based off of the way that CJ ended the season and the way he played against the Georgia game, we all knew that it was going to be a downgrade. But now that we've actually seen it, it's like, okay, what does Ohio State do? What do they look like without an all-world quarterback play? That's really my my biggest takeaway from all of this, is they need to figure out what they are offensively without an all-world quarterback uh, running the show. And they needs to... F- figure it the fuck out on what he's going to do about these new clock rules because it's either an excuse or uh, they just weren't prepared enough for it. And every other team in the country got to prepare for it too. So uh, you got one more week to figure it out. And even then Western Kentucky is going to present a decent enough of a challenge offensively that you might have to score some points. And right now that looks like a struggle for this offense. Cause even that one touchdown drive uh, they got bailed out by um when Brown was in, and he he had that scramble, they got bailed out by a late hit, which was like he didn't crush Brown, but they're calling that if it's a quarterback. But that kept the whole drive alive. And you know how are we feeling, twenty eight to seven? And you know that's that's not fair because I hate to I hate to talk in like hypotheticals, but it's just something to note. And uh, this offense needs to start putting up points. They need to start looking explosive and. I don't know how they're going to do it, not because I don't think they will, but just uh, we really haven't seen anything other than like today Marvin Harrison Jr. just beats the defensive back because he's better. There, there isn't anything schematically or like drive-wise where I've thought like, God damn, this offense looks great. And not to say that they can't, but they just haven't shown it so far. So that's it, man. Um, any other takes? I'll put up on bullet points, which you can check out at twostripescpd.com. Bullet points is one where you have to be subscribed to that. You'll get to read the first, you know, three or four for free, but you got to be subscribed for that. 
twostripecpd.com. $7 a month, $50 a year. I'll have uh, these podcasts up every single uh, weekend after Ohio State games. I'm not doing any previews again. Uh, just like last year, it's going to be the same setup. I'll just I'll have a you know podcast after the game, either day of like today or Sunday after the game, um, just breaking stuff down and talking about how I feel and then bullet points up on either day of or Sunday as well on the website. And then if you want to catch my uh, just general college football thoughts and opinions, I'll also have another postscript up regular two stripes podcast about every other game uh, and kind of just my general musings on whatever happened that week and on the website as well. So two stripes I can't say it enough. And uh, I know a few of you are subscribed and I hope you guys are liking the content so far. It's been a lot of fun putting it out on a, uh, what's been a very exciting uh, season through the first, I guess, week and a half because it's still, we're in the middle of week two. So uh, hopefully it continues to be fun and hopefully for Ohio State's sake, um, not that things need to turn around, but things start hitting overdrive a little bit offensively and we get some more entertaining, upbeat stuff to talk about because like I don't like, and I'm trying not to be overly negative and that's why I haven't gotten into a wider discussion about day um, and kind of where I, where I I where in my heart I truly think all this is headed, but you know I want to talk about fun things and be talking about how great Kyle McCord is and how awesome Ryan Day's play calling is and you know all that fun shit. So hopefully that happens starting next week and we can really start to have some fun with it. But um, I'm just giving you how I feel. So if you enjoy it, please subscribe to the show. Subscribe to the website twostripecpd.com. Of course, subscribe, subscribe, need to slow down, to YouTube, youtube.com slash Colton Denning, and uh, stay locked to the feed here for all of the Scarlet and Gray Stripe podcasts and the regular Two Stripe podcasts. I hope you all are having a wonderful weekend. I'll give you uh, my thoughts on Two Stripes um, about the Auburn Cow game when I get back later tonight, which should be uh, pretty fun. So uh, stay tuned for that, and I hope you guys all have a wonderful weekend. I'll talk to you next week. Go Bucks.